0: This is Irish Illustrator Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It is Friday, April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day to everyone. We will not be, we will not be sharing April Fool's jokes today, but we do have a question pertaining to that in segment two. Anyway, we're going uh, earlier this week we had opportunities to talk to running backs coach Dila McCullough, and then yesterday, safeties coach Chris O'Leary and the uh, accompanying players at their respective positions. And Tim. Uh, we, as usual, we, we split those guys up. Just, uh, some of your thoughts from, uh, from the running back room and the safety room that we spoke with.
1: That was my first time meeting Brandon Joseph. I remember you interviewed him when he, upon arrival and mentioned, I, I actually didn't even hear him speak that first time. And you talked about how, uh, confident he was in his own abilities. He's, he still is. He's just, he's also subjugated that for the good of the four, the quartet, because it's been explained to them by O'Leary and they have realized it just by the reps. They have four guys fighting for two starting spots. All four are likely to play. And uh, five safeties really competing out, out there, Not, but four guys for the safe starting spots. And Joseph just walked in and goes, yeah, I was with the twos today. He also explained that he got in another interception. So
0: Apparently he, he, he hasn't
1: has totally had that confidence yet.
0: He has had uh, – and he doesn't hit you over the head with his confidence. No, I didn't mean not. it that way. But he's had uh, – He's had at least one interception in five of the seven practices.
1: As he pointed out after that, every time we wear pads, which I thought was funny. Because in yeah. other words, kind of absolving himself of not getting one when you're not wearing pads, right. which I do too. That doesn't count. It's, it's fine. Which is why O'Leary said he has one in every practice, all five padded practices.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know which one of them. you spent probably a little bit more time with, o, with O'Leary, your, your, your yeah. thoughts on it. I, you know, I, I, we we are just now having access to these guys, so every interview with him is like our second or th- or third ever. and um, I just you know, I like the way he relates to the players. I like the yeah. way he relates to the media is he's, he's very glib and enthusiastic. and there's a reason why, you know, that young that young coach is a member of the nordham coaching staff.
1: he, he likes what he has uh, in the room. I like what he has in the room. i you don't you can't love it because. There, there could be a drop off from Joseph to the other guys. We're projecting a lot for Ramon Henderson, right? DJ Brown should yeah. be better. Houston Griffith hasn't made a lot of plays yet, but if we, I did talk to O'Leary specifically about Griffith, and I'll get into that in a later story, just about how you know being in the right place at safety is actually kind of underrated too, and we, we brought that up in the podcast. Yeah. What does he do? He, he doesn't mess up.
0: Well, I mean, you um, said four guys are competing for two spots, and and I mean, right now, Houston, Houston they a lot Griffith, yeah. Guys.
1: Right now, Xavier Watts doesn't know the deep Brandon Joseph. We asked Brandon Joseph about Xavier Watts. He's like, when did he transfer over? It was in November. He goes, when he understands it, he's going to be really good. But he's like, right now it's, it's all new. Like it's, it's still new to Xavier Watts completely. No, there's
0: no no, there's no there's doubt about that. And I, and I did ask him yesterday. I know this was a, a topic of conversation on our message board, but I did ask him, uh, you know, if he was approached about moving to wide receiver. And he said, Marcus Freeman left it up to him and he wanted to stay at safety. So, um, you not know, I don't know that it, not moving back. Well, I certainly, no, I certainly don't blame him for not moving uh, back. And I, you know, I don't know that necessarily everybody agrees with that way of coaching that you leave it up to, you know, put it in the player's hands. But if you, if you force him to go to a position, he doesn't want, want to play, then he'll go to another school. So <laughs> then he goes to the transfer portal position, right? Exactly. So you, you you don't want to do that. And look, you want your player to have a comfort zone. And I, and I also asked Xavier Watts, I mean, did you feel like you were not competing at your highest level at receiver, um, you know, and and safety gives you a better chance to play? He didn't necessarily agree with that. He wasn't putting down the previous receiver's coach or anything, but he felt like he was capable of playing that position as well. But he's found a bit of a comfort zone at, at safety. And and uh, yeah, but I just did want to mention that we spoke with four safeties yesterday and Houston Griffith was not one of those four um I don't know if there's a direct correlation where they all are on the the depth chart per se I
1: I don't think so right now I mean I think that could be the case in September but I just from talking to O'Leary and Joseph and DJ Brown it certainly sounds like Xavier Watts is the learning guy
0: yeah no, that's understandable. That's yeah. understandable. And Justin Wallace, of course, too. But the, the, the difference is that Watts wants to hit somebody. And so that's going that's going to give him an opportunity.
1: know, O'Leary brought it up. He said, Well, he, I mean, he he has the pop. He will come hit you. Yeah. And once he learns everything else, there's there's a lot to learn. Brandon Joseph mentioned it's it, he said, especially here. There's another Brandon Joseph story coming out. If you're wondering what else all, all is, but Brandon Joseph said, especially here as compared to Northwestern, it is on the safeties to quarterback things back there. He said we at at Northwestern the linebackers ran everything. He said he didn't even know what the defensive line was doing when he was at Northwestern. Really? Yeah. Here it is. We have to be. He keeps saying. I keep telling my guys. There's his confidence again. We've got to communicate. The corners have to hear us. The linebackers have to hear us. Sometimes the defensive ends have to hear us. We have to communicate. And I think that's an interesting dynamic because if you're playing four or five safeties, as O'Leary said they have to communicate not just when it's dj brown and houston griffith or dj brown running things back there everybody has to be able to communicate
0: right and i I know a couple of the safeties talked about you know in l golden's defense pre-snap as a safety you could line up just about anywhere you could be coming off the edge um you know in in any other place on the back end of the defense so they find that kind of interesting Watts like that a lot henderson like that a lot you know that there's some Diversity and some unpredictability as to where they're going to to be coming from pre-snap.
1: And I went into an accidental storyline about what is boundary and what is field, just because I asked Joseph what they're calling it these days and what he plays. Should have known in spring they don't play anything; they play right. boundary and field yeah. because you're O'Leary wrestling.
0: said that too. Yeah, yeah, but
1: O'Leary and and uh, and, to, and I think the story is either up an hour should be soon. The the boundary and field was well explained by Joseph and O'Leary and Nickel, like all the differences, everything they're looking for in there. Yeah. It's. I think that's a good part of this. De- a good part of this defense that's intriguing is Al Golden moves you around, and Joseph mentioned if we can disguise who's boundary and whose field, that's to our advantage. But in order to do that, you got to be able to play both.
0: Right. <laughs> right. 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 Well, earlier in the week, uh, we spoke with Dila McCullough, the running backs coach, uh, who has turned out several 1,000-yard rushers. I think we we're both extremely impressed with the interview by Jadarian Price, Uh, which, which knowing how high they are on him as a football player, you put those two things together. And that's a really mature kid who I think has a lot of ability, a ton of upside.
1: Yeah, I like the running backs room a lot. Uh, We have both said this, the running backs will probably be better this year because of the offensive line and the quarterback, Tyler Buckner, the running game, I'm sorry. But the four, I do think he'll use all four. I believe you asked uh, Coach McCullough, how deep can you go? And said, We're going four deep. What do you mean? Like kind of like. Yeah, no, I think,
0: he's, I think he's pretty adamant about that. He um, also
1: explained how four deep works. I thought that was great. The uh, He goes, I need a third and three to third and six guy. I need a third and seven guy. I need a gadget guy, a goal line guy, a one and a two. And they all do fall in line with Marcus Freeman's edict is we have a 1A and a 1B. And if you're a two you don't play as much I don't think McCullough's is going to follow that as much I think they no I don't go. I
0: mean he's not going to throw somebody in there there isn't prepared but I think right. that he believes all four of them will have be those prepared. capabilities I mean certainly estimate gives you a different dimension I found it interesting that he lumped you know he lumped price in with Tyree in terms of breakaway speed and then you know you combine it, that it with
1: quicknesses that looks like that I mean right
0: yeah it, yeah no doubt about it so I found that to be interesting he also you know, we saw multiple times last year when, when Kyron Williams and Logan Diggs are, you know, patiently kind of probing the line, kind of along the lines of what Wake Forest does with their yeah, running game. Yeah. Uh, Dylan McCullough is not a fan of that at all. He calls that junkyard football. He wants – if it's a, if the play is designed to hit the A-gap, you got to hit the A-gap. Now, if you can create something off of that, then go right ahead. But you've got to be true to yeah. your blocking scheme – and he says, you know, I mean, it really comes down to follow the follow the Notre Dame jerseys in front of you. Yeah. And, and it does make sense because that, I mean, that is a, the best way to maximize every run or or the best way to maximize a run that isn't blocked very well is yeah. to just, is to hit the hole the best that you possibly can. If you can create something off of that, then that's fine. He's not talking about that, but he called a junkyard football and uh, he said that the, 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 um, the blocking scheme is, and that's not exactly the word he used. the the gap the uh, the the gaps are undefeated. The, the undefeated, yeah. I'm I'm trying to spit out the word undefeated with the other words that he used, and and uh, so you know he says it's kind of it's empowering to the running backs knowing that hey man, if I hit if I if I hit the gap the way I'm supposed to hit the gap, I'm going to maximize most of my runs.
1: Notre Dame fans should love it because uh, that was. You covered him. Earl Mosley's edict to Reggie Brooks. The first four yards are mine. The rest is yours. Right. you got to you're getting these first four right. yards, no matter how I tell you to get them. Otherwise you're not playing and someone else is going to get those first four yards. And yeah. that, I mean, as fun as it was to watch Kyron make something out of nothing, sometimes the more you watch Diggs try to emulate it. It didn't work against a good defense like Oklahoma state. I mean, Diggs Diggs made it work against the worst defenses they played in November. Remember he hesitated and all of a sudden shoots up for 20 yards Right. And you're like, wow, look at that instincts. Well, that inst- the thing is it closes if the other team's good. And I think that's the point McCullough is trying to get across. You know, they can go out there and de- dance all they want against UNLV. Rip off a couple of 70 yard runs. <laughs> but that's right. That's not what you're looking for. Is the, is you're, the not team gonna, team. you're not
0: going to beat the big boys uh, doing that all the time. So I found that to be interesting. Uh, uh, Tim, I want to conclude segment one. Um, Talking about the decision by Blake Wesley to enter his name into the draft, it, it I mean, that in and of itself should not be a surprise. Ten days earlier, Mike Bray encouraged any and every one of his players to do something similar or to evaluate what their opportunity is. And in Blake Wesley's case, the possibility of being a first-round draft choice on June, I want to say 23rd is, is, is draft day. He has to make a decision by by June 1 uh as of i don't know within the last 24 hours we're not aware of any hired legal representation right um so i mean i I believe that he wants to keep his options open but that's going to require that he keeps in (laughs) that he follows through the last six weeks of this semester um which is i mean that's difficult to do if you're saying the family is saying we're all in in the draft um And I, you know, we were saying all along and we're, we're we're catching heat because we said all along that he wasn't going to, wasn't going to leave. And then we actually inadvertently didn't even mention him when we were talking about the rest of the roster and the potential to leave. But that was the, every indication, you know, sorry, we were giving the best information that was out there and it was coming straight from Notre Dame that that was, they had every intention of doing it. And you know the NBA is going to they, they have a board that evaluates players and recommends whether they should stay or go. The NBA is going to recommend him to stay. I don't see how they wouldn't because his overall game is is so incredibly I mean it's it's a it's a it, he has a very immature game. The development working, of the game is not, it really is. He can get to the basket uh as well as anyone. And then after that, I mean, he can run the floor. He can take the he can dribble the basketball from underneath a, a defensive rebound basket to the other end as well as anybody in the country. But the rest of his game is still so undeveloped and immature. Uh, I wrote an editorial about it this morning. I didn't mention one thing as to how his return would benefit Notre Dame. The story wasn't about that. It was about either you want the short term benefit of being a first-round draft choice, Uh, if you do that, you are probably going to sacrifice long-term a career in the NBA because you're going to sit – he's going to sit for a couple years. His game is not developed to the level of NBA play, especially if he gets picked later in the draft and he's playing for a playoff team.
1: Yeah, there's there's plenty to like about Wesley. Um, But there's a lot of things that I think people don't really – unless you watch closely, like – he has a great first step, and he gets to the basket. But as we pointed out, maybe as early as December, he doesn't finish that well at the rim. He sometimes finishes poorly at the rim uh, when faced with with equal athletes, which is only going to be equal and superior. Well, he, sometimes, he, he,
0: he, get, he sometimes gets to the basket, he doesn't pass it, and he doesn't even get a shot off.
1: Yeah, he had a few... Uh, games earlier in the or, uh, middle of the year when Notre Dame was really starting to play well, where his vision, I thought was really, he would drive and find people. It's like, boy, this is the Blake Wesley that is going right. to be a dominant force for two years. Um, that kind of went away when they needed it most. But I think he got sped up by veteran athletes that are just as good as him and really good defensive principles with Texas tech. And he he wasn't quite ready for that. They, they have some guys in the pros that can probably jump like Texas tech guys do, and might be a little bit older men too. Um, the lift on his jump shot, I think, is really impressive. His pull-up jump shot, like two dribbles, pull-up eighteen-footer, that was the ultimate weapon in the eighties.
0: Yeah, he does have NBA. good. You know what? I didn't mention that, and he does have a three-point shot. Have a, so
1: much work that he cannot add two feet to it right now.
0: Do you know that? Do you know that he attempted more three-pointers than anybody else on the team, and he there were six players ahead of him that shot it better. Yeah, including Prentice Hub. He led the team in three point shots. Now, now I, again that's coaching.
1: that's coaching too. You got to pull him back a little there.
0: Well, that's true. I, I just don't think that there's any self-awareness in his game. Yeah. And I, look, I I don't I again I didn't write the story because I, I want him to come back so Notre Dame can benefit. But in he's 19, he just turned 19. Would it, would it would it really? <laughs> hinder your your life and your your progress as an NBA player if you waited till you were 20 to join the NBA or 21 let's
1: let's play devil's advocate for for leaving he gets drafted in the first round somewhere in the first round and gets an NBA first round contract even if he plays most of his time in the G League and his next contract is in Europe and so is his next one and he has become a very good European basketball player or a guy that made it into the NBA at 19 years old, and he started making, and he made money for 10 years. If he goes to Europe, he can make money for 15 years or 14 years. You know, I, I do get the point that he will, but unlike football, he's going to make money. He, yeah, might make, he could have made a lot more money had he come back. But unlike football, where if you're not good enough, you're never going to make money. He will make money playing basketball, and he's starting that now. No,
0: that's a good view of it. I think. I, no, I agree with you. I, I don't. I. I mean, I am certainly Europe's an option. I'm sure it's not one that he or his family want I mean, to consider. Three or four
1: years if he doesn't stick in the NBA. Right. You're, okay. you're good basketball over there. There's, look at Zach August. I mean,
0: I d- look. Do you want to be? I mean, do you want to be a special basketball player? Do you want to be a special long term? NBA basketball player with a with a long career in the NBA, or or is it just is it just short-term gratification?
1: I mean, I think it's both like you could argue that depending where he goes, let's say he has a 50% chance of just getting better coaching because it's all all ball for the next three years or the next next year that he would have at Notre Dame because at Notre Dame he has to go to class, he has other things going on. It's not all ball. They don't even have the time to devote to it in that situation. Now, if he goes to the wrong situation, he's going to get no coaching because they don't care a whole lot about the G league when you're on the active roster. if you're not on the active roster. So it's a chance. Uh, I was surprised. We, gosh, we heard yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before that that staff thought he was coming back while they were at the play-in game or the first four game.
0: Yes. It was like first
1: four when Notre Dame plays in it rather than playing because it was such a fun game, right? It was the first four game. We don't need to say play-in when Notre Dame wins a classic basketball game like that, but I think he surprised them with the I am all in. I mean, you would, as you started this broadcast out, Tim, he had to test the waters. There's no reason of course, not to of course. go through the draft process. Yeah. yeah. That's, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. I just hope he stays in school for six weeks while he's doing this because then you're not eligible to play at Notre Dame next year, no matter what you could get feedback. Like, man, you got to go back. Your jump shot's broke, <laughs> but right. then you can't go back anywhere. So,
0: I mean, I, I, I think it would, I mean, I can't imagine he would last beyond the first round, but what if you go, you draft on potential, but but. right. But what if you go 23rd or 25th or 27th or it's just short-term gratification. And again, this has nothing to do. If he doesn't want to be a Nord aim, don't be a Nord aim. I, I don't, that doesn't, and this doesn't have anything to do with that. It's maybe a, if they'll you want... give
1: him, look, maybe they will give him a, yeah, you can come out grade because of the lift on his jump shot, his first step quickness. He does have good vision. Even if he doesn't always use it, he can go end to end. As you said, like anybody we've ever seen at Notre Dame, his defensive length will help him out. So they think to themselves in two years, he'll have a better shot and his ball handling will improve with constant. Yeah. Work. So yeah. you could get it. He could get a different grade than we're thinking. He would just be a much better. He would be an all-American basketball player next year, and I think a lot of us thought that seems to make sense. An all-American basketball player on a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, contending team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It would be fun to watch, but he is uh, if if he leaves. And I I still want to say if I, I realize that it it seems unlikely now that he's returning to Notre Dame,
1: but not completely. Yeah, you're right. Not completely out of the question.
0: Right, but if he would return and play another year. And really, I mean, to to really be prepared for the NBA, he, he should probably spend two more years. And then he would go to the NBA at age 21. He's not an old man at that point. He's got a lot of career ahead of him. But, uh, you know, I would like him to make a decision in the best interest of his desire to be a great NBA player. Yeah. You know how
1: this is a different situation, but you know how Luke Gordy was amazing as a sophomore? and came mm-hmm. back to work in his game and got worse by his senior year and didn't get drafted. well he started
0: he's he started he started
1: trying to shoot
0: be a three-point point shooter yeah. he would have
1: been drafted higher as a sophomore than he was as a senior and there's no doubt in my mind
0: no i agree i, agree. I don't
1: think blake wesley would be drafted lower as a sophomore than he will be this year. I think Blake Wesley would be way up the charts as a sophomore.
0: I yeah. I I view that as a virtual impossibility because yeah. his game would advance so much with another right. year of college ball and just being disciplined and being, you know, his basketball IQ is still in the process of being developed. I, and I and I just he's going to spend a lot of time in the G League early on, which the money they're still paying you the money, and that's you yeah. know that's all good. <laughs> But the, the glamour of the NBA, it's, go, it, it's going to be sometime before, um, if at all, for Blake Wesley to experience the glamour of the NBA. And I just think another year or two would, would really, really help him long-term in his, uh, in his career. Segment two coming up, Burning Up the Boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football,
1: please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to Irish slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.
0: Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Way to Go K Man. Biggest surprise so far this spring football?
1: You know, I have to go back to the open practice because otherwise we're just listening to others, right? so mine are backups a guaranteed second stringer and a guaranteed third stringer because i just had them i did not believe that progress would have been made i think tosh baker looks like a developing college tackle under harry he stand this quickly to give he immediate credit for for technique teaching um and then a lot of it be on tosh baker too getting probably getting himself ready for this and i thought i wouldn't know jason anye's number if not until late 2023 ever. <laughs> and I watched Jason, I actually was trying to watch Rocco Spindler and uh, Michael Carmody and I watched Jason Anya because he was making plays. So that is really good for the future. I don't think Jason Anya is beating out any of the interior guys we've talked about. They have a really solid five interior players, six if you include Riley Mills, but that's a pretty big deal. I didn't, I thought they might've had a miss and I don't, I would never think that now after watching that one, that one two-hour practice. Right. Remember, I know, now I know everything about Jason Anya, of course.
0: You know what Tim, I've got a question here that you don't have on our on our sheet here and I'm going to throw it in. It's from Hayden Adams Z and that is back when Blake Fisher committed. I kept hearing that he would make an outstanding guard, an even better one than he would be a tackle. I'm sure it's unlikely at this point, but is there a possibility that Fisher moves inside, which opens up a starting tackle spot for Tosh Baker?
1: I mean, Tosh Baker would probably have to do that every practice for anybody to think. Yeah, I, like that. I, I, I think it's drivers, a little. But Blake Fisher's still a better tackle than Tosh Baker by a lot. So it's tough to make the move. I get it, though. If you had a healthy Patterson and Chris, let's say Christophic is your most improved guy of the five. This is not including reserves from last year. So you're really like everybody. Like, man, what if we had Fisher and Baker on that right side, but. Baker would have to be much better than Josh Lugg, too. Not I mean, he's not better than Blake Fisher. So it would have to be. You'd have to like forget how good Blake Fisher is on the right tackle spot to think we've got to move him to guard. It's he's so
0: good. He is so good. He is so he is such a good tackle. I mean, he he just is. And I don't want to. I mean, I agree with what you said about Baker from the other day, but this is that was just one practice that we saw. And so bad in practice. Remember, he looked bad.
1: He looked bad like he could not play at Notre Dame. And it was obviously he was a very, well. I know he
0: looked bad in games. I don't, I don't know how bad he looked in practice per se, but yeah, I I mean, I just don't think that you can make that move. Now there was some talk. I know when Harry, he was hired, there was some talk about maybe Patterson plays a little bit of guard and Correll playing his best position at center, who, again, we thought he played pretty well the other day. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I don't know, but I, I don't want to, because we saw one practice where Tosh Baker looked pretty good. I, I don't think you're moving Blake Fisher out of a no. tackle spot where he's I think really, Fisher really can good play guard
1: for the 49ers in three years and everything will be fine. If he wants to play guard. How's
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, while we're on that topic, I'm jumping around here, Tim off our script, but a question from Chad Flanning, and our, our third question there, you stated a few months ago that Blake Fisher was going to play on the right side, regardless and it sounded like there were reasons aside from ability. Can you expound? Maybe you should ask me that question.
1: Yeah, but I mean, from <laughs> from the public part of it, uh, Joe Alt and Andrew Cristofic communicate exceptionally well together, and cohesiveness on the offensive line is important. And they already have co- they already started building cohesiveness for eight games last year, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. That,
1: that's a good public. That I mean that that has been said by, I guess we didn't talk to Jeff Quinn, but Brian Kelly and kind of Christophic and Alt and Patterson, right? They're like, hey, they communicate great. Joe Alt's great communicator for an 18 year old freshman, which already hit a jackpot there.
0: Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I just think in order to to keep the peace and to, to make sure that everybody's happy where they are, not that Blake Flick, Fisher wouldn't want to play left tackle. I'm sure yeah. he would. Uh, but Joe, all the left tackle. And, and Blake Fisher, right tackle, is going to work just fine for Notre Dame.
1: We should point out, and I'm going to ask Freeman about this. I mean, asking Reese and he stand is the best. But uh, RPO game, modern football spread, not the NFL where the hash marks are the same. Is the blind side really as important as it used to be? Is left tackle that much more of a pass protection position to save your quarterback when you're playing in an RPO scheme? spread quarterbacks moving i mean i guess it is on third and nine but is it on third and nine if you're on the other hash no it's not you're looking at like the nfl game is just different like that everything is dictated on the field by positioning and your offense so i want to ask harry he's and tommy reese about that does the tackle left tackle position mean the same as it did when they were writing books about it and movies about it and it was always about the nfl too
0: yeah no doubt about that a uh, question from JV fan one with Dante Moore now delaying a public commitment and taking official visits, when should Notre Dame start looking at a plan B? I mean,
1: plan B is always on the back of your mind, but can't plan B nowadays, let's say the worst comes to worst, you lose out on Dante Moore, you lose out on other targets like Bazzini. what about plan B being the best freshman in the transfer portal that you didn't get anyway that would love to come to Notre Dame? Sure. I mean, what's the, the I mean, like, there,
0: there are a lot. Ask that,
1: all the high school kids what's going on with this transfer portal. They're getting screwed because coaches say, well, I'll just get that guy. I know he could do something and he wasn't right. happy at Oklahoma. So now he can come play for me. I mean, it's, you know, Notre name is a little tougher for that because of freshman year credits and transferring, but you've got to go all in on Dante Moore, man. Right.
0: No, you do. I, you know, this is, this is going to be a question. I, it, it's April.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true too. He can, you get a lot of time he, for Plan B if you
0: need it he to. He can wait. sign in the third week of December. No, my, no, my point being that this is going to, this is going to carry on and on and on and on and on. And I, I'm, I, I've made thousands of statements that I've been wrong about. I think Dante Moore will sign with Notre Dame in December. I, whether he's taking official visits somewhere else. I think the line of communication between Dante Moore, his family, and Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame is good. And I would like to think, based upon what we know, that it's pretty transparent. Yeah. And I think, when okay, the the question is, you know, when you start looking at plan B? Will you have a plan B in place at all times every step of the way until signing day in December? But I think Dante Moore will sign with Notre Dame.
1: Next from Buster Bivin, if Josh Lugg is challenged as one of the five best offensive linemen, who would be the biggest challengers? I like the wording of that question. Takes us off the defensive too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me. well, I, he's twenty-three years old. <laughs> I don't think
0: Josh Lugg is going to be beaten out, but it's a fair question, and I think that they're, you know, if Baker's progress, could Baker play guard? I don't think you want to do that. I don't think you Not want do to do that. According to want- I think. No. And I, I don't, I mean that, that is a, that's a misfit for him. That doesn't maximize his abilities, right. but you don't want to move your two tackles. I think, I think uh, Carmody, now that he is being fully groomed as a, a interior offensive lineman, IOL as we call them now, um, or as they, they are listed. I have that's the first time I've ever said that, but as they are listed, uh, Carmody's a possibility. Spindler, I think, needs to be more consistent. And as I mentioned, could Patterson get some reps at guard with Correll at center? You know, that's a possibility. But Lugg's not going to be beaten out. Someone will probably get hurt along the way, and one of these guys is going to have to step up.
1: Yeah, I think you covered it there. I think the if you if you were to say, Josh Lugg, a healthy Josh Lugg doesn't start. Why? I actually think you're Correll and Patterson notion is the most
0: realistic i think so too i think so as we as we sit here right now right yeah i think yeah. so too he just correll is a center man he just plays center well he played center well against clemson and alabama he the played, only
1: issue is patterson's a better center so you gotta look at it that way too i mean well, that, no, you know we, w- there's other ways of looking at it. that that's what stops it from happening right patterson's a better center
0: i i mean yeah because he's played there i think if you put Strong. If you, if you put Patterson at guard, he would be,
1: I think he'd do really well. Yeah. He'd
0: hit the ground running. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know that any of that is happening this spring, but that was something that we had heard that when he Stan came in, you know, maybe Patterson does give some reps at guard uh, to take advantage of Krell. at his yeah. best position question from Denver Maximus from what you have reported. Jaden Mickey is turning heads this spring. Is this KJ Wallace 2.0, who famously jawed with Chase Claypool, or does Mickey have a shot at the rotation in year one? What have you seen or heard that makes you feel this way about Mickey?
1: Well, Mickey's one of the more impressive guys to talk to. Uh, he's very fast and confident, but I, three spots are taken out of the four or five corners that will play, right? I mean, and Mickey's not beating out Clarence Lewis, no matter how bad of a game Clarence Lewis had on in the Fiesta Bowl. That's not, that's not happening this year. They like Clarence Lewis. Hart and Bracy are the most sure things ever to be involved in the secondary, and I'm sure one of us will write about Bracy here soon and all the good things said about him. I like Mickey a lot, but, I mean, I like Ryan Barnes. I like Philip Riley's recruiting tape. Getting the rotation this year is hard, unless Mickey could be a backup nickel to
0: Bracy. Which that he could sense. be, which he right. could be. First of all, the KJ Wallace thing. I mean, I, I saw more from, I saw more from Mickey last Saturday in a full practice, in terms of productivity, yeah. than we ever saw from KJ Wallace. But we the, should also
1: the, say that Mickey. I mean, Mickey was beaten by, Connor rodriguez to for touchdown, and he did. In and that was
0: when I was looking at another spot of the field, yeah. and I saw it on on film. Yeah,
1: um, yeah,
0: no no, no. he's a spunky little player. Uh, I think he has a lot of ability. I think he's a better prospect than KJ Wallace.
1: Me too, was. and I just think he's a better player in 2023 by a leaps and bounds than he is in 2022. Is that yeah, it? It's special team. He actually he has actually mentioned I want to get on the field in special team. So I, yeah, think I mean we don't
0: like do again. You you want Barnes to be Barnes should be ahead of Mickey, right? Riley should be ahead of Mickey. That's what you that's what you want. Uh, but I think Mickey has. A little concerned about the size, but a player's a player. And I think Mickey shows signs of a guy that's going to be, you know, you know, he's, you know, he's tough. You know, he's competitive. I know he's gone against good competition. I think he'll be a player.
1: Proverbs 31, eight, nine, some are fretting because of the lack of size on the Riddings defensive line. Do you see this as an issue?
0: Let me give you some weights here. Jacob Lacey, 275, playing nose. Jason Adamalola, 280. I'm not as concerned about 3 technique at 280, you know, cross at 275 playing 3 technique, but with Aiden K and Iana's injury, he yeah. is the only 300 pounder on the interior defensive line. He's 310. Uh Mills who's playing some defensive end is 283, Cross is 275, Rubio is 290, and then some of the younger guys Tyson Ford's 255 at 3 technique. And I knew it was 289 and you have the uh, Donovan Heiners coming in. So yeah, they don't, they don't have a lot of, they don't have bulk there, man. And that that's a little concerning. I do love the mobility of those three guys in the middle of Adam, Alola yeah. cross and Lacey, but you do get concerned when you, when you face some real significant size um, from the opposing interior offensive line.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, we, that's why we talked about, Last podcast that a transfer portal fifth-year nose tackle that can hold the point for fifteen plays is important, and he's important for five games. Basically, right? <laughs> is what we're looking at. I mean, the right. and I bet you Jacob Lacey's bigger, gonna be bigger than two seventy-five when he Probably, plays. Probably, yes. Or is bigger now, but yeah. I, I don't see if you lose K and I. I think you need someone to replace him.
0: And yeah, we talked about just, this. Yeah, you. We talked about this last podcast. They so they need yeah, they,
1: they do need to be bigger. I think I think I have talked to people at Notre Dame and. They said, if our secondary can be better. And I said, what about some help with the nose tackle position? Like, yeah, that too. So I think it's out there. The theory's out there.
0: It this is, is all post
1: injury. This is post injury. This is a conversation the last two weeks. That's right.
0: why. Right. It's just a shame K and I not had the injury because he they was really, really trending. He was really, really trending. Yeah. Big body, tough. You know, really physical, um, a a tough break for him, short-term anyway. Irish1137, if Tommy Reese uses Tyler Butner like last year, running and throwing, Butner almost certainly will get injured at some point. How confident are you in Drew Pine to lead this team for a game or two? I've heard he's a great vocal leader, but actions speak louder than words.
1: Yeah, we we brought this up recently, too. I, I think Drew Pine, in every situation, would go in and play well if Tyler Buckner gets hurt and has to come out for the rest of the game. And then, pending who you're playing, the next game, it could be a little tougher for Drew Pine. If you have Clemson scouting Drew Pine for two games, it'd be a little tougher. Even, I mean, USC scouting Drew Pine for two games, it gets a little tougher. BYU, um, it's harder. It's harder when the tape's on you and you have some deficiencies or inefficiencies that are easy to find in Drew Pine. For all the good things he does well, it's not going to be hard to figure out what you can do to him, right? To, to slow him down.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's why I think, you know, you you absolutely want Tyler Buckner to win the job and you got, you have the ultimate relief man. Yeah. Um, you know, but the fact is, I mean, Buckner could get hurt and it wouldn't be, it would be more than one or two games, but let me get the, you Tyler Buckner your quarterback. You have to use his assets. Yeah now, you, yeah, now you don't, you don't run him 12 times against UNLV, no, you, you know, or you, or you get out, you jump to an early lead against Cal and you, you can, veer away from some of the run game but you can't play in fear he's 215 pounds and a big part of his um, tools is his ability to run the football you have to you just have to do it you you don't I'd
1: say tim he doesn't start if he doesn't run the football like he does is that fair right now drew pine would start if tyler buckner ran like drew pine drew pine would start
0: uh, I think that's possible. The pine size is just, yeah, you that's don't want to try be. them out there, you know, but to get to the point of the question, you can't play in fear. You, you've, you have 12 regular season games. If that's the guy that gives you the best chance to win with his running and passing ability, you take advantage of his running and passing ability. It's football. That's just, that's, you just got to play the game.
1: Next from Brian Painter. What do you make of Kyle Hamilton's falling stock? How far do you think he falls, and whoever gets him is going to be very happy with their selection. That's just a statement, and I agree with it. Also, how high do you think Kyron Williams goes?
0: How is how is Kyle Hamilton's stock falling by uh, mock just, through through mock just, drafts? Just
1: mock drafts, yeah, that's not a thing.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I re- Kyle Hamilton falls. They're better racing teams trading up. You see, there's some stupid reason Kyle Hamilton falls in that draft. You are going to see a flurry of activity. Some, I don't know. What's the what, name of dumb reason guys fall like Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa fell?
0: I mean, what Talking in the world dumb- was
1: going on there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean, just...
0: I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe. Well, first of all, I never fully believed he was a number two pick to Detroit, like they we were saying from the beginning. And I, He's better off not being a number two
1: pick to Detroit. No offense to the Lions fans listening, but he is better off not being that pick, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know that Kyle Hamilton's stock is falling. It mock it drafts by far. mock drafts by members of the media is not a player's stock falling. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that some of the big names in the business are are tied to uh, you know general managers and teams in the NFL, and they're getting good information. But we also know that general managers put out misinformation when it comes to the draft too, to, to help their their slotting in the draft. So he
1: ran uh, slower than he thought he would run, which happens to everybody. It's <laughs> literally everyone, he ran a lot slow, a lot slower than he thought he would run. He ran slower than most people thought he would run. That could be one way of saying his stock is falling. I just don't know how much. I think it's more of his stock didn't skyrocket as opposed to his falling. If Kyle Hamilton ran the four four seven, he said yeah, he could run pre- right. That would have been a different story. So I guess it's I more mean, of a hold, It's more of a holding stock at this point,
0: right? Right. We've we've created a falling stock narrative based upon two forties that he ran or three forties that he ran, and they weren't they weren't no, they
1: weren't slow. They weren't,
0: ba- they weren't bad. They weren't bad numbers. It's just when you start talking top five, you're expecting him to run a, you know, whatever 447, something like you said four four seven, yeah. which. I'm not really sure that he was ever a four, four, seven, not at six, four, two 20. He, I mean, was, against he I, was
1: against Florida state for a couple of yards, but he came across the field and picked off that pass. Yeah. That's what you and, need to know. And against Purdue on fourth and one, when he shot the gap and made a tackle, he was a four, four, seven stock shouldn't fall.
0: Yeah. And I'm not, you know, there are guys, there are plenty of guys that are six-four-two-twenty that can run up four, four, seven, but.
1: They aren't any good at getting the ball or getting the tackler. Yeah. What I mean, did Chris O'Leary say? What did Chris O'Leary say? Were you there for that with Kyle Hamilton? He goes, I have never been more sure of someone than Kyle Hamilton will be a Pro Bowl NFL player. Oh,
0: well, no, I did not hear him say that. He didn't you know, say he will be an it.
1: NFL player. He said, somebody uh, asked him uh, about his falling stock. He said, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of if his stock is falling. And it, he's right. It's ridiculous. Kyle Hamilton made like one bad play in his career at Notre Dame for crying out loud. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing career.
0: He the one won, against amazing, Cincinnati?
1: Against Cincinnati. Okay, yeah, was, okay. He had to make that play. It was. Yeah. You no, know, because to go to the playoffs it would have been a good play to make. Let's be fair. <laughs> like, that would have been a nice play. But he's an amazing college football player and he will be a really good pro. Where do you think Kyron goes? Because I have no idea.
0: I mean, at, at the highest, uh, mid to late third round. But I think.
1: Right. And that would surprise I, me. I would be very
0: surprised. But I but I think it's I think it's fourth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know that he falls more than that.
1: I don't either. He's a really good player and he's very versatile and a leader. He can catch, block, and run. He's tough. And everybody knows yeah, he won't go ahead of the fourth round. He's he's a twelve carry back. Every every NFL, every NFL runner with the exception of four or five is a twelve carry back in their career nowadays. It's a different world. It is completely yeah, it really different. Is. you need it really three is. Kyron Williams to survive. Yeah. And there's there's fifty of them out there, so not every yeah. team gets three.
0: Question from ND fan 80 How does it feel to have six, have access to the players now? The interviews have been great, by the way.
1: Yeah. How's it I've feel, really, Tim? I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's great that we don't talk to the exact same nine guys all the time. Yeah. They keep coming out. The coaches are the most important, though. Ta- getting assistant coaches to discuss things is the highlight of the spring. If I change one thing and you and I talked about this, I would take these next two 40 minute accesses, get rid of one, and make it a full practice access again because then you get to actually see how a practice unfolds and, and
0: how- then and then with the blue goal game we would see 20 percent of the 20 percent of the practices oh right three of the three of the 15
1: yeah it did not sound right but you're actually yeah. right
0: that's that um yeah it doesn't seem like it would be that much but <laughs> but it would be but we don't have that we have Five periods on Saturday, uh tomorrow, and then five uh in a week or two or so, whatever it is. But
1: the key though, Tim, is the five the the five period one that we saw first was no pads. So if this one is five periods with pads, the stuff they did will actually be that's true. Better to watch. Like they'll be they were doing drills, but they were not allowed to hit each other. Now that if yeah. they're hitting each other, then we do get some stuff out of it. You know, them.
0: just like a, a personal note. When it's five periods, you, we we go in there. With a real sense of urgency. And so, like when another, let's say another reporter starts chatting us up. Yeah. Shut even, up so yeah, we can watch up. these five periods because we can't afford to miss
1: right, right. being anything. That two-hour practice, I took segment eleven off. I said to you I go, they're taking this one off, so am I, because nobody was doing anything of interest. It's, like, it's time to regroup a little bit here, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap up. Um I, I do want to. I do want to mention that um, a lot of people have been asking about who Notre Dame men's basketball is pursuing in the uh, in the transfer portal, and I would remind our readers to look for that because I will put something out uh, because it's a bunch now. It, it the, the the list has expanded. It's it's double digits. Not all big men uh, because they could have a they could have a point guard or a guard situation, a ball handling situation. So they're looking at some people. So I don't want to get into that now, but that information will be available on uh, IrishIllustrated.com. So we will end with a little bit of a fun question from Pin and Poll. Among current slash former players, who do you think is good at April Fool's pranks? Fink. I tell you what. Look what? <laughs> Chris Fink. Oh, Chris Fink. Yeah. Okay. But I was going to challenge you to name somebody from the current roster because I went through it. Houston I'm Griffith. Not, you think Houston Griffith? I mean, the yep. best one I could come up with because he's because he's pretty glib. It's now the second time I've used it. Uh, glib today. But uh, Josh Lugg. I mean, Josh Lugg likes to, I, have, I think, have fun at the expense of his teammates. But otherwise, I don't. I don't know. Bosque. I guess maybe pardon me. Bosky's kind of funny. Fosky c- could be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but when you think about like Kurt Heinisch, of course, would, would probably yes. be the ultimate one that just departed. The program, I mean, it wouldn't work but... on
1: April fools. It wouldn't work on April fools. Cause it doesn't, he would probably did it all the time. Kurt Heinisch probably oh, that's true. A thousand yeah, that's true. People. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So somebody a little bit more subtle. That's why slippery Fox would, would yeah. be your. Slippery Fox is my pick. Chris Fink would be your suggestion. But I mean, think about, yeah, I didn't think of it in those those terms, and that makes a good point. But I mean, Lewis Nix of course, would have been yeah. the the ultimate prank prankster. I think Tyler knew some uh Pat Koontz from a little while back, Troy Nicholas.
1: Troy Nicholas, yeah. I right? be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Nicholas is the answer, I think, here, but he might be the other one that's playing too many pranks his entire uh existence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you think of anybody else that might? i was trying
1: to think of some really enjoyable interviews. Actually, estimate, I could
0: see. I like actually, you know what? Yeah I, yeah, I, I, I was going to say estimate maybe on the current team because he was, uh, he was having a lot of fun the other day during his. Interview.
1: He was he was just hanging out talking for the heck of it? even when he was allowed to yeah. go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, we're going to wrap up uh, with that question, Tim. We'll be back on Monday, April 4th, after we have an opportunity to see five periods of practice. We'll talk to Marcus Freeman on Saturday. And then uh, we'll have our podcast on Monday and then get back to the uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule until um, Easter hits and then one week leading into the Blue Gold game. We appreciate you joining us, Tim. Thank you today. This has been Irish Illustrated Insight.